Well, welcome everyone. We are grateful to have you here at Wilshire this morning. Thank you for being with us. It's good to be together to worship the Lord. Thanks for everybody who's joining us online. We are grateful to have you with us too. Looking forward to the day when you're able to be with us in the flesh. Uh, today, three of our members are not with us in the flesh. Uh, they actually worshiped earlier today with the church in Nazareth. Um, Jeremy and Tony and Ike, uh, apparently that was where the worship service was to be held today. So I didn't actually check on Facebook, but I think that's what they were planning to do for today, um, which is pretty cool. Every time somebody's abroad, somebody's in another country, I just think about all the different churches all the way around the world who are worshiping, doing the same things we are doing, sometimes singing the same songs and reading the same scriptures that you and I are reading to each other and singing to each other. It's a great, great thing to know that the kingdom of God stretches around the world like that. Today is the last of the series that Jeremy and I have been doing on God Made You More. The world tries to tell you you're less than, the world tries to put you in a box and say, this is what it means to be you. Let me, let me fit you into this role, this category. And God made you to be something more than the vision that different aspects of the world might cast for you. That's, what the, that's been the point of this whole series. And today I want to talk about this last issue, which is a big one. It's, it, it plagues people. God made you more than a victim. Now, the Bible is pretty clear-eyed about this topic. This is not a place where Scripture is uh, going to give you a one-sided view, I think. We just had read for us this passage from Psalms 94, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn back there, Psalms 94. Look down at verse 3. How long, O Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? That's the way the NIV translates that. Isn't that just great on your teeth? Jubilant wicked people. Look at what we got away with. They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. And they murder the orphan. They say, the Lord doesn't see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. Now, I don't know how, how much of the Psalms that you read. I think all of us should make reading the Psalms a part of our routine, weekly or monthly or daily. If you only ever read the Psalms that get put into our songbooks, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. The heavens declare the glory of God. 
you're going to miss the fact that about a third of the Psalms are Psalms with language like this. Lord, are you not seeing what evil people are doing? They are complaint psalms about how bad evil people are. Scripture is pretty clear-eyed about the fact that the world is evil. This is not, I hate to name check, this is not a Hobby Lobby Mardell's bookstore view of reality. Scripture says the world isn't all nice and fluffy. If you're a person of faith, God doesn't promise you to smooth out all bumpy roads. People of faith suffer in this world. That's what the Bible says. Over and over and over again, the Bible reminds us of that fact. One of the worst things about the fallen world is that innocent people are victimized. That's what that's what this passage is particularly pointing to. Your people, God, are being victimized by the evil. The boastful, happy, arrogant evil are thinking they're getting away with this. And they, they take advantage of the weakest people in society. You notice that he, he calls out the weakest, least, uh, you know, least powerful, least likely to be able to, to defend themselves, members of society, widows who have no... A male person to represent them in the courts. Foreigners, that is immigrants, people who don't have uh, connections to the community, they're very easy to exploit, take advantage of, steal from. And the fatherless, the orphans. Again, nobody to stand up for them. If you pull dirty tricks on them, take away their property, or even take away their lives, very little likelihood that you will suffer any kind of human repercussions for that. They're arrogant. They're boastful. Jubilant. It's one of the worst features of living in a fallen world that we see evil being jubilant around us. And the Psalms complain about it. Book of Job complains about it. Book of Ecclesiastes complains about it. The Bible is pretty clear that that's real. So Christian, if you have been victimized in the past, or if you're being victimized now, that's not fake. That's not due to a lack of faith on your part. It's not because God's mad at you. That's because you live in a fallen world. It's real. Now the Bible is, real, is clear about that, but it also gives us a path of hope. Because the Bible doesn't want us to be mere victims. We often are victims. Every one of us in here has at least some story where we've been victims. But, the, but God didn't make us to stay as mere victims. And the rest of this psalm kind of tells you one of the key things that the Bible says. The Old Testament speaks with one voice with the New Testament on this one. 
So Psalms 94 is a perfect representation of this piece of theology. Just skip back two verses in Psalms 94. Look at the first verse. The Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back the proud what they deserve. And look down in verse 15. Same psalm. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against the evildoers? Unless the Lord gave me help, I would soon dwell in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you, a throne that brings misery to its, by its decrees? The wicked band together against the righteous, and they condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress, my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. What is the fundamental piece of theology that this psalm teaches? Dozens of other psalms teach. The New Testament teaches it in exactly the same way. It's a fundamental piece of the Bible faith. It is this. This is a fallen world. Evil really does exist. God will bring justice. Absolute certainty. God will bring justice. Notice what the writer said. Unless the Lord had given me help, verse 17, I would surely have dealt, dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your, your consolation brought me joy. The stronger my faith and my vision of the fact that God will ultimately bring justice. The more I have the power, it doesn't take away the suffering. The more I have the power to rise out of being a mere victim. The stronger our faith that God will judge all evil, the more power we have to rise out of our own victimhood. Now, I want to be real clear what I'm saying here, because I've heard bad sermons on this topic, and I want to preach a good sermon on this topic. So listen carefully to this next thing. Yes, I mean you. Wake up. Uh, uh, listen carefully to this next thing. I am not saying, and no one preaching the Bible should ever say, if you just have faith, the things that have been done to you will not hurt. Your past won't hurt you if you just have enough faith. That is not true, and it's also not biblical. In fact, what the Bible tells us again and again, what sh the Bible shows us again and again, is the authors of the Psalms, people with a lot of faith, crying out to God in their pain over what's been done to them. Job, a man of great faith, crying out to God about what has happened to him. 
Jesus. There was ever a human being with perfect faith, certainty in God, crying out to God over what's being done to him. The Bible is absolutely clear. It does not matter how much faith you have. It does not take away your suffering and your trauma. You can't just overcome that by just believing more. That's not true. What the Bible does do is offer you a path past it, but it is not a pain-free path. Paul was victimized many times during his ministry. Stoned multiple times, beaten many times, robbed at least once. Paul didn't just say, well, I believe, so I just keep trucking. He had to be nursed back to health multiple times. We see that in the book of Acts. We see that in testimony to that in his letters. Sometimes because you've been victimized, because you suffered trauma, you're going to need help. That is not a failure of faith on your part that you seek help. Let me say this. It is not a failure of faith for a Christian to seek counseling for past damage and trauma that has happened to you. That's not wrong. Whatever good there is in counseling, we've got an elder here who's an expert in this, so he can check me, but whatever good there is in counseling, that good, as Nate's prayer assured us all good things do, that good came to us by God. You know? And, and, and so it, it's fine. People who are in trauma... Even Jesus had to take naps, you know? I mean, people who are in trauma, it's fine to get help. That's not a failure of your Christian faith. And I say that with some passion because I've had that conversation multiple times. So I don't want that to trip you up. But God doesn't mean you to have to stick in the trauma, in the victimhood. God means you to be able to transcend it. People get stuck in victimhood. The world sometimes tells you to stay stuck in your victimhood, to mine it. And that's just not going to help. Sometimes the world wants you to mine your victimhood because there's profit in it for you or for others. Sometimes the world, this is the more toxic one to me, sometimes the world wants you to mine your victimhood for feelings of revenge and hate. This one I see a lot of. Hollywood makes its living by generating strong emotions in us. They generate laughter, they generate crying and sadness generate happiness. One of the absolute money mills that Hollywood has discovered, seems like it's inexhaustible, is the revenge plot. How many times have you seen a variation on this story? 
horrible people do horrible things to the hero for four-fifths of the movie. The worst thing you can be is the girlfriend or buddy of the hero for four I mean, terrible things are going to happen, or the kids. And all of that is just to make the audience so angry at the villains that the last fifth of the movie, no matter what atrocities the hero perpetrates, we all say, good, they had it coming. I'm telling you, that is pornography for an evil part of the human spirit, in my opinion. That is, that is, that is tapping in to something very carnal in us, very basic in us, and it is not good for us to feed ourselves on that. We all have been hurt. We all have people that we really want to see them get their comeuppance. And that's not a bad thing to want evil people to receive justice, to be punished. That's actually a just desire. What's evil is to want vengeance. And what's really evil is for me to say in my head, there is no justice only vengeance, which is what those plots feed on. How do you get yourself out of that trap? How do you rise above that kind of victimhood? The Bible says it's this, faith, that Psalms 91 and so many other Psalms and so many other parts of Scripture talk about. It's this faith. God will bring justice. There's a strange little passage in 2 Peter or Jude, I can't remember which one, where it talks about the archangel disputing about the body of Moses. It's a weird passage, but, but the archangel says, the Lord rebuke you. He doesn't want to rebuke Satan. He says, the Lord rebuke you. And Yodi really likes that passage because she says, that's what we all need to grow to do. To get to the place where it's not us taking revenge. It's leaving vengeance to God. In the confidence that he will in fact enact perfect justice. Not a stone unturned. Not a secret left unrevealed. Every, every crime punished. Perfect justice done. And that's the way that we, according to the Bible, come out of our victimhood and move past it. Turn to the New Testament. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, 
but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that interesting? This is, in my mind, and, and, and here Paul is, I think, just channeling Jesus' teaching, especially summarized in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance. If I'm a victim and I'm in the revenge mode of victimhood, I just say, you have it coming. This isn't the normal me, but you've been so evil that now I get to go out of the normal me and do evil to you. It's not even evil because you're so evil. And that's just not true. Evil is always evil if God is real. It's all, evil done to an evil person is still evil if God is real. And so Paul says, we don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome it with good. What's that look like? Well, he goes back to Proverbs. He goes back to the Old Testament faith, Proverbs 25. If your enemy is hungry, you know what would really just twist his brain in a knot? Feed him. If your enemy's thirsty, the one who's done evil to you, if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. It will freak him out. Heap burning coals of head on his fire. Uh, boning, burning coals of fire on his head. Sorry about that. We overcome evil with the righteousness of God because we believe. God will bring perfect justice. Leave vengeance to God, Paul says. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. Again, quoting the Old Testament. If you skip ahead one chapter, this is a place where the chapter break doesn't help us much. If you skip ahead to chapter 13, look at verse 3. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. You do not uh, if you do no wrong, if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servant, agents of wrath, bringing punishment on the wrongdoer. Paul says one of the ways that God brings justice here and now is using the agents of the state. It is not wrong if evil is being done for you to avail yourself of whatever the justice mechanisms are of the political system that you live in. They're going to be imperfect. They're made of humans. They're not going to be perfect like God's justice. But it's not wrong for you to use them. And that is better by far for, than you trying to take revenge on your own. That's just the way it is. We do not overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. God made you in his image. He made you to reflect what he is like out into his creation. You're a priest. You're a priestess. You're a representation of God here in this world. 
And everywhere you step, everywhere you go, is a place where the will of God is meant to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everywhere. That's what God made you for. Don't let the world shrink you down into anything less than that. Don't let the world make you into a blob of protoplasm. Don't let the world turn you into just a consumer of goods or just a, you know, a member of this tribe or that tribe or the other interest group. Don't let the world turn you into just the sum total of all your past pain. Be what God made you to be. Image bearer of the Almighty. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. We thank you so much that you've made us in your image. We don't know why you've crowned us with this glory and honor, but we are grateful. And God, each day, as your spirit gives us strength, we want to live more in that truth and in that reality. God, we know there's a lot of pain in this room. We know a lot of trauma has been suffered. A lot of victimhood has taken place. And God, we ask for your help and your strength to move not away from it. It, it stays with us, but through it and to move past it with your help. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ. If there's something that you want to ask for public prayers about or talk to the congregation about publicly, or if you need to receive today baptism in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins and to walk in a new life, then why don't you come forward and tell us what we can do for you as we stand and are led in song.